Hey, and welcome to Australian Horror Story, where we review horror films directed, produced, written or made in Australia or by Australians. I'm Depraved. I'm Dr. Jeff. All right, so today we are talking about the Australian film Snowtown, which if you are a true crime fan like I am, you will know about this film and you'll definitely know about this case. The film itself was made in 2011 and it was directed by Justin Kurzel. It was actually his directorial debut. Mm. So, Dr. Death, you don't know anything about this case. Yep. Uh, never heard of it or had you heard of the case or? I had heard of Bodies in the Barrels. Right, yeah. And oh, and actually I knew the dude's name but that, oh, and probably heard Snowtown Murders mm-hmm. but never looked into it any further. Okay, cool. So you're coming at it, uh, so just looking at the film in isolation mm. as an Australian film. Yep. And I know... Lots about this case because I'm a bit of a true crime person. So I've read two books on this case oh. and listened to several podcasts on this case as well. So I was coming from a point of view of kind of knowing what the details were between the lines. Which is good because like there's so much that I think is unsaid in the yeah, film. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I honestly didn't understand a lot of it. So you can probably fill me in on yeah. heaps of that stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> So first and foremost, I have to say it's not a horror film. Oh, would we say that? It's it's a horrific story and I think that it can be in this podcast because it's definitely an Australian horror story. Yep. It's actually one of the worst cases of serial killing in Australia. I mm. think that John Bunting himself is known as Australia's worst serial killer. Has he got the highest body count? Correct. Yep. Yep. But before we get into the case itself, Mm, mm. let's talk about the movie. Okay. (laughs) What were your initial thoughts on Snowtown? I did not like watching this. No, it's so hard to watch, isn't it? Really hard. I was, yeah, for listeners, I guess, I was texting depraved five minutes into the movie. (laughs) I do think we need to put a bit of a trigger warning on this podcast. Yes, correct. Because um, we will be discussing pedophilia, sexual assault and yes, rape. Um, good idea. But yeah, five minutes into the movie, I didn't think I could watch it. And to be honest, I did not watch a lot of it. Mm. I was sat there with my partner next to me, just kind of chatting with him while he was on his computer doing other things for a lot of it because it was too much yeah. for me. It's so intense. Yep. I, I watched it on a Wednesday night just at home hanging by myself. Oh, and I was, I was halfway in and I was like, oh, God, this Can is I do it? so bleak. Yep. It's shot in that way that so many Australian films are that yeah. is just so grim and bleak. And Yuck. <laughs> just, it's not even pleasant to look at yeah. visually. <laughs> it's spot on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like really colour washed or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I I have an idea why the director went for that mm. because really the whole setting around the times that this these crimes happened in the early to mid nineties. So the the crimes themselves, the murders themselves, happened between ninety two and ninety nine. Mm. But I think what the director was trying to do with the bleakness of the way the film looked 
was just to visually represent how bleak the lives of these people was. Mm. I mean, it was a housing commission area and really low socioeconomic, really high unemployment, really high rates of violence, domestic Mm. abuse, child sexual abuse, Mm. neglect. It's just, you know, this area where the people that are in it, a lot of them just have very few prospects and it was such a a grim outlook for these poor people and very vulnerable people Mm. as well. And I think that's what the director was going for in making the film look the way it looked. So we were kind of in there with them did Mm. you feel that absolutely and just wanting to escape from that you know like Mm. wanting to look around the room and have some brightness and like Mm. normality come back into your life because it's just gross yeah yeah so gross and so bleak but that's the thing the people that lived there Mm. and I don't know what the area is like now but I mean back then the government just didn't give a shit at all Mm. wasn't willing to help these parts of society. Mm. Yeah, those people, they couldn't escape. That was their reality. And I guess that's just uh, just one of the really sad parts mm. of this. So that's the way the film looks. So yeah. do you want to kind of explain a little bit? Of, uh, it's hard to explain the plot without getting into what yeah. the I crimes think, were themselves. I but. think where I can come at this from a different perspective than you is – as you were saying, because I really don't have any background knowledge on the crimes. Mm. Um, so my understanding of the plot, there wasn't a whole lot of plot, mm. if I'm honest. Like, especially in, look, even the first 40 minutes, I didn't know who a lot of the characters were, mm-hmm. um, how they were introduced to the family. That There wasn't really any background story about that. It's just mm. they were all sat there in the kitchen all of a sudden. I'll just read what's on the back of the box. Yeah. Because cool. I bought this movie and I wish I didn't because I want to throw it out immediately. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have the box to read. So let's use it okay. for its one good purpose and then throw it away. So the back says, when 16-year-old Jamie is introduced to a charismatic man, a friendship begins. As the relationship grows, so do Jamie's suspicions until he finds his world threatened by both his loyalty for and fear of his newfound father figure, John Bunting, Australia's most notorious serial killer, which is honestly just the plot in a nutshell. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. What did you think of the decision to make Jamie as the central figure oh, in this story? Jamie. My heart went out to this kid. Yeah. Other than the mum, mm-hmm. I think he was the only relatable character in the movie. Yeah. Like he's the only person you actually, like you could see these things happening to both Jamie and the mum and them just being taken along for the ride, not willingly, mm-hmm. but as you said, because it felt like they didn't have any other choice but to just go along. This was the only option they had. Yeah. Mm. So... Jamie, um, to explain to the listeners, mm. Jamie's the the one of the sons of the woman that John Bunting starts going out with, mm. and he gets really sucked up into John Bunting's world. John Bunting being the main, the ringleader of this group of serial killers. So um, it was a group, was it? Yes. Okay. So. That's one of the really interesting things about this case and going back to what you said about how the characters really aren't introduced very well in this movie. I feel like if you have no background knowledge Mm. 
of this case, then you will be lost for the majority of this I was. film. Yeah. Because I know this case pretty well mm. and even I was lost as to who was who in the zoo, yep. you know? You know John you know who John Bunting is. He's, you know, charismatic as fuck. This dude that's just coming in and taking over mm. the family. Mm. But the other characters not sure who they are. But mm. Jamie, the, the the kid that gets sucked up into all of it. I I thought it was a really interesting perspective to put him in as the central character for mm. the movie because like you said, like he he's he's such a victim. Mm. But interestingly, he's also a perpetrator. Which is weird. Yeah. And yeah. that's that is the thing about this whole case that with the exception of John Bunting, well not even John Bunting, because some people could argue that he was also a victim. Uh-huh. But almost all of the characters in this are both victim and perpetrator. Mm. Mm. And that's what makes it so interesting. So every one of these characters has been sexually assaulted as children. Mm. So all of all of the characters, all of the perpetrators, okay, as ch- including John Bunting uh-huh. when he was eight. Yeah. So you know, it's this really weird mesh of a victim slash perpetrator mm. and you, yeah and jamie himself his story oh is my goodness so much sadder than even is depicted in the film yeah he was sexually abused by five different people as a child including <sighs> his own father Jeez. yeah so which you know it's so heavy but no wonder this kid gets sucked into... He's so vulnerable, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's so vulnerable. But what did you think about Jamie's character arc? So from where he started to that... Mm. What really hit me was that final shot of him in that last scene where he closes the door behind him mm. at the bank vault mm. and you just know what's going to happen to... Which was their last victim, David, I think it is. Jamie kind of knowingly shuts the door and has I think that final scene you just realize how complicit he's become in the Mm. murders yeah whereas before he was more like oh he was just along for the ride okay I feel like he was always complicit the whole way through because see as you're speaking like all that stuff it didn't come through to me just with the movie as the only basis of my knowledge Mm, mm. yeah they didn't make plot lines weren't clear that's so true it, it really was so unclear even even things like where the mum went for a long portion of the movie like because as i said i wasn't watching it intently which i imagine most people who watch this can't watch it intently anyway mm. so i think plot lines could have been a little bit more clearer mm. like the important ones at least so yeah because the mum just disappeared for ages yeah and i turned to my partner and i'm like was she killed like where where is she and why like where did she go for so long mm. she was probably playing the pokies do you reckon? Yeah, probably. Well, because yeah. they show that at the start. So, yeah. That she's, I mean, she's got, she, she's another one that was abused as a child. So she's got oh, lots of geez. issues as well. Yeah. And her, she's got four kids mm. and the three kids, she's got the oldest son, yep. which ends up getting killed by yep. John Bunting and his crew. Yeah. And then her other three kids is to her ex-husband who confusingly doesn't make clear that it's the guy that comes around to visit sometimes with the older kid with the white Nike sneakers. Oh. That's her ex-husband, right? Oh, yeah. I never connected those dots. Yeah. 
And that's something that frustrates me mm. about the film is it doesn't yep. actually make the relationships really clear between Not the victims and the perpetrator. So, so it's really hard to know what the motive is for any of yeah. the killings. Well, exactly. Yep. And that's another thing I want to talk to you mm. about is what mm. you believe the motive is behind the killings because this okay. is something that confounds true crime enthusiasts uh-huh. and at the time law enforcement as well. Yeah. What was John Bunting and Associates' motivation behind these crimes? It's so confusing. Okay. It looked, from the way the movie made it seem, to be anyone they deemed to be a pedophile, Mm -hmm. anybody they deemed to be homosexual. Mm. Um, They don't differentiate between the two. I know. That's Mm. awful. As kind of depicted by that scene where they're all sat around the table and they're talking about, I guess, whether gay people should have access to children, mm. which was super messed up. Yeah. Or anybody who they deem as being slightly different. Or like weak. Weak. Yeah. Because there was that poor special needs kid. Did mm-hmm. they kill him? Yes. Far out. Yeah. They actually killed two special needs people. See, that's awful. In their victim tally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, it just seemed, and, and the drug user as well. <sighs> because he was weak it just seemed to me that anybody that john bunting didn't like made it onto his list and really like tenuous links between like their motives so like Mm. oh i don't like this person how can i make that fit my mo yeah yeah Hmm. one of the greatest books on this case is called killing for pleasure oh (laughs) and i think that kind of sums up yeah he's a psychopath he's yeah he's he's a sadistic psychopath i i think he likes to try and justify what he does exactly with these philosophies around you Mm. know pedophiles being no good for society Mm. and blah 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 but in reality he's just he's just picking off the weakest links Uh uh-huh and the fact that there's a there was a lot of torture involved in all of the cases Uh uh-huh just shows that it was just he was just doing it because he got some kind of sick pleasure out of it wow wow and unfortunately the other guy's all vulnerable people mm-hmm. just along for the ride. They wanted a leader. They wanted, you know, yep. someone to make sense of their pain. And it felt like they were probably doing something. Mm. Yeah, man, that's sad about those special needs kids. That was, yeah, Yeah, rough. and there were women like John oh, Bunting's wow. ex-wife was one of the victims as well. Oh. Um, Mark Hayden, which was one of the characters, one of the main perpetrators. The which, one what with did he the, look like? Kind of had a scraggly beard. Oh, the skinny really guy skinny? with the scraggly gotcha. beard. Yeah. With the very large wife. Yes. They killed that wife. Because yeah. she knew? Elizabeth Hayden, correct. Yeah. yeah. And it was actually her, her murder that led the police to John Bunting because it oh. wasn't until she was killed that they started, like, that her disappearance was noticed. All of the other victims were all drifters and, uh-huh. and yep. kind of outliers. Then so, you hit a target, right? Yeah, but it wasn't until Elizabeth Hayden mm. disappeared that the police were like, what's going on? Hmm. Mm. That's really interesting. I, I, I want to ask so many questions, but I feel like I'm <laughs> going to eat into your stuff later. But I just got to ask now, was um, Elizabeth Hayden tortured as well? Or is there not really... I don't know, actually, mm. um, but probably. I'm speaking out of school because I don't yeah. know exactly. But yeah. 
hers could have been a murder that was just the, they felt they had to get rid of her because she knew too much. Yeah. But if you look at the narrative device that they used in the film mm. to depict the murders happening, mm. um, which was the answering machine messages, mm. Mm. her voice was actually on one of the messages and mm. – what we learn in the film is that they torture them and force them to put these answering machine messages, record these answering machine messages to their loved ones mm. so the loved ones don't think anything is amiss. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth Hayden was one of the messages. So uh, perhaps they did torture her. I, uh, I don't know. It makes me feel so sick, which is like, because yeah, obviously this is like a horror movie podcast, mm. but – I can't deal with movies. Like, you know what this felt like? It felt like Romper Stomper. Oh, that's a hard film to watch. That's what this felt like yeah. to me. Yeah. Again, that really bleak, colour washed, yeah. just nothing good is coming and you know it. It really felt like that to me. Well, it's interesting you say that because John Bunting and one of the other ones, what's his name? Robert Wagner. Mm. He was the other one of the other main perpetrators mm. were both – heavily into neo-nazism so yeah it's interesting you bring that up yeah they were apparently part of a neo-nazi group and they got kicked out because they were their views were too extreme (laughs) so there you go Um, it's such a full-on case but kind of circling back to Mm. the beginning one of the reasons why this case is so interesting worldwide as well is because it's one of the very very rare cases of it being a group of serial killers working together Uh so that's really rare so it's rare to have two serial killers working together as a team first of all let alone a group Mm. and this was a group of four main perpetrators five if you if you count elizabeth who is the not the same elizabeth as elizabeth hayden but elizabeth is jamie's mum so she was complicit in some of the murders as well but she was never tried because she died of breast cancer oh. before she they had the opportunity to try her. But she was complicit in some of the murders also and she definitely knew what was going on. Yeah. So wow. four main perpetrators, five if you include her, and that is incredibly rare mm-hmm. because for a ringleader, and there's always a ringleader, mm. To control one other person, okay, maybe that can happen and you see that happening with pairs of serial killers. But for a ringleader to control four other people and to keep them all on track, to keep them all silent, to keep them all motivated and all sharing the same point of view and the same motivation Mm. is just so rare. And it speaks to, I guess, the kind of character that John Bunting was Mm -hmm. and I guess, the petri dish of this, of society at the time. Yes, and of that community, yeah. as you were saying. Actually, were they all from that same place? Like, how, yeah, how did yeah. they all get to know each other? Yeah, so that's also really interesting. They were – they actually none of them actually lived in Snowtown. Oh. Snowtown was actually a, a town that was uh, several kilometres away from the area that they actually lived and where the murders occurred. mm I think only one murder occurred actually in Snowtown in the bank vault. It was where all the they, – they actually oh. they moved the bodies from the house, yeah. houses where they were uh, killed. They yeah. put them in the barrels and then they moved the, – relocated the barrels to the bank – old disused bank vault in Snowtown. So poor old Snowtown kind of gets unfairly blamed. But 
they all knew each other because um, they all lived either on the same street or they ran in the same circles mm. or this one was going out with this one. And, and in fact, what the film didn't make clear is that one of the main perpetrators, along with John Bunting, Robert Wagner. Was he the beard guy? Uh, not the scraggly beard guy, the other guy, the tall bloke that kind of doesn't speak much. Yeah, yeah. He is actually the ex-boyfriend of Barry Lane, who is the mm-hmm. um, transgender person, mm-hmm. uh, Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Vanessa slash Barry. Mm-hmm. So Robert Wagner, even though he was going out and killing homosexuals and pedophiles, was actually gay himself. Aww. And he was... Barry Lane's Mm -hmm. ex-partner and they lived together for a long time and what yeah Barry Lane actually was a known pedophile and what yeah and the film doesn't make any of this clear because it's so complex oh yeah it is it's so confusing and yeah it's it's amazing how John Bunting kind of turned Robert Wagner around in that way that turned him against his partner, Barry Lane slash Vanessa, and ended up making Robert Wagner to kill his own partner. Yeah, it's it's so crazy and yeah, yeah, it just it doesn't really make that clear at all, that connection. Yeah. But yeah, they all and and get this, John Bunting only moves to the area in nineteen ninety one. And the murders start happening in 1992. So that's how quickly he gathers people under his wing and starts sprouting off Jeez. all this philosophical bullshit and gets people on his side. i got so many questions. <laughs> Before he moved there, I've got like three questions yep. from this. All those people you mentioned, like mm-hmm. the, the other killers, did they have any history of violence from what's known? No, but they all had history of sexual abuse. Uh-huh. Which I think is significant because that kind of plays into John Bunting's hands. Yes. And did John Bunting have history of violence before he moved there? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, he did. So he was he was born in Queensland in Anala. Oh. Yeah. And he quite young as a teenager hooked up, not hooked up in a sexual way, but mm. be, but befriended a much older man and they would go out and quote unquote bash homos together. So he has this long history of of violence himself and obviously maybe stemming from his own sexual abuses as Mm. a child and, I don't know, channeling that rage into that violence. And then he goes and works in an abattoir for several years. Of course he does. Yeah. (laughs) He also has a a history of killing animals and torturing animals. So it's all that. It's that classic kind of serial killer yes, kind stuff of disorder. yeah yeah um so uh, he, he's such a complex character mm. and they all are like what do you reckon of john bunting's character in the way that he was depicted in the film what was the actor's name he it's was fantastic daniel um uh henschel daniel so henschel good. yeah he so was so fantastic, good. wasn't he? He was so menacing. Menacing, but incredibly warm, which which is, I guess, you mm. know. That charisma thing. Yeah. That first scene with him, how uh, when Jamie and Troy enter the house and he's already in there and he's cooking dinner for everybody. Yeah. And he takes charge of that house that he is a guest in. Yeah. I was like. 
this guy, you mm. know, just complete. Oh, hey, how are you going? Coming into your own house. I have done this for mm. you. I'm creating the rules, but I'm also really warm and welcoming. Yeah, he did such a good job, this actor, in portraying that breadth of emotion. Mm. To go from that warmth and that father-like so figure scary. to then that really menacing scene um, with the dog. Oh, oh. That was so oh, upsetting. God. I made my dogs leave the room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see these doggies. Yeah. Dude, Oh, God. It's like with this movie, again, I thought about turning it off because I was texting you and you're like, you can stop. It's okay. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. You know, that initial pedophilia scene right Mm. at the first five minutes got me. Obviously, the rape. Yeah. Oh, that was. Of of Troy. By Troy towards Jamie. It went far too. It went on way too long. Yeah. On camera. That was awful. And the dog, awful. And the the filmmakers did a really good job with the dog, though. They, because um, we're in a horror movie, I will take a page from um, House of a Thousand Corpses for people who've seen that. Of this really long, drawn out wait for the gunshot, mm-hmm. where you're just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And the director did such a nice job of just waiting for that moment. That is like the one thing I will take my hat off to the director for, for doing that. But um, what were we talking about? (laughs) Oh, just about John Bunting's Uh, psyche, really. Yeah. Um, How do do you, oh God, just mm. how someone can convince other people to do such horrible things. It's so depressing to think about, isn't it? Just to let go of all of their morals and their ethics and their conscience and to do such horrible things. Something I was also interested in in watching the movie is what their life would be like if there was no chaos. So um, in that initial scene or one of the earlier scenes where, you know, they're dismembering that kangaroo and throwing it on the... That foreshadowing. Yes. I was like... What, what happens in these people's lives when there's no chaos? Like, mm. do they just sit around? Like, Sit around <laughs> and watch telly? I know. So it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to use the word, but they needed this. They, they mm. needed John Bunting to kind of come into their life because they had nothing else. And it, yep. in a really sick way, brought everybody together to be working towards this common goal. Yep. And I think maybe that one of the elements that made people so drawn to him it gave them purpose yeah so true Mm. so true it really did and you saw that in those couple of scenes where all the adults were sitting around the kitchen table Mm. and they're all going on about the pedophiles in the neighborhood Mm. and blah 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 and bringing them together it really did bring them together didn't it but what's really interesting about that scene is that several of those people end up dead by john bunting's hand Who, who um, well, the the, the Nike-wearing yeah. older teenager. Is that Troy or is that a different one? Uh, that's a different one. I, I, it's I actually, literally it can't was, see people's yeah, faces. Troy as well. Yep. He's in one of those scenes. Okay. But well, Troy is Jamie's half-brother. Mm, yeah. But the Nike-wearing dude the, with the white Nikes yeah. is actually Jamie's stepbrother. Okay. Which they don't make that connection very clear mm, no. either. But he ends up dead. Barry Lane slash Vanessa ends yeah. up dead. Um, mm. Mark Hayden's wife ends up dead. 
a lot of them end up dead uh-huh. that are in that very room going on and on about how they've got to kill the pedophiles and blah, blah, blah. But And they don't even realise that at some stage they're going to become victims as well. So, yeah, it's it's so full on. But some some facts about the, the case. So, as I said, the murders happened between 92 and 99. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 99 that they first discovered the bodies in the barrels and like I said all except one of the murders was done outside of Snowtown actually they just transported the body the dis- and all those bodies were dismembered as mm. well stuffed into those barrels there were 11 victims in total of which John Bunting was convicted of all 11 murders mm. as the ringleader Robert Wagner was convicted of 10 of the murders Jamie was convicted of four of the murders <sighs> But he was their star, the prosecution's star witness. What does that mean? Uh, so he turned on John Bunting and the others and testified against them. Oh, he's so brave. Yeah, oh. and he's serving a life sentence. Mm. But because he was a star witness and turned, he's able to serve that life sentence in an undisclosed prison in, well, I don't know if this is a reward, but in protective custody. So mm. in isolation probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the fourth one, Mark Hayden wasn't actually convicted of murder. He was convicted of assisting uh, after the fact. So okay. the scraggly beard dude. Yeah. Because they couldn't actually, I think there was a, something like a hung jury mm-hmm. on whether or not Mark Hayden was involved in killing his wife. So, <sighs> so yeah. And, and as I said, Elizabeth, John Bunting's girlfriend, they didn't get the opportunity uh, for her to go to trial because she died of mm. breast cancer before that happened. So, but she was kind of like the fifth person that was so in it. Did she actually kill anybody? From I don't think so. But I think that she um, was an accessory. Gotcha. Yeah. Which the film kind of alludes to because there's one scene where. I think it's showing the aftermath of because all a lot of them not all of them but a lot of the murders happened in her house in her bathroom. She obviously didn't know about her son being killed yeah. and tortured. Yeah. But there is a scene in the aftermath of one of a, another murder and she's sitting outside having a durry mm-hmm. with John Bunting and a few others and it kind of alludes to the fact that she was assisting. If not assisting not saying anything. Yeah. But I think that's really hard because she, I like obviously just from the movie she couldn't say anything. No, well she, she was, was trapped. Yeah, I mean she was probably so just was as Jamie, scared in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So were probably a lot of the people. Mm. Um Well they probably all John Bunting scared the shit out of, of them all. Of course. Yeah. And like probably thought if I say something, then I'll end up in a barrel like the others. I thought the same thing. There's that scene um, when they're killing Troy, which, you know, we'll probably talk oh, yeah. about a bit because far out. Actually, I think that's the only uh, – is that the only killing that it's they the actually show? the only graphic show? scene, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Jamie walks out mm-hmm. and, oh, that's that really odd juxtaposition because he's sat outside – 
crying but the silent tears is kind of falling down his face and it's raining it's just these Mm. kids playing in the street yes that is so messed up that was such yeah you're right that was such a good juxtaposition like inside there were these horrors happening inside this house and then outside it's just this suburban yep landscape yeah the kids riding the bike and so innocent oh it's awful and then like you hear him be like oh put the telly on and it's just like talking about fishing or something just Mm. so mundane Man, that director yeah. again nailed yeah. that. Yeah, for his first time. <laughs> Amazing. I, I think pretty good. Mm. Yeah, and bloody intense subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's get back to that scene and, and talk about that scene. But Ugh. So, yeah, so there, there were 11 victims. The bodies were found in 99. It was one of the longest criminal trials in Australian history and oh. still is today oh. because there were so many bodies yeah. and there were so many perpetrators. And they the, the cop will kind of talk about this case is that the motivation was just really ambiguous because whilst he was obviously just a sadistic fuck and he was saying that it was because, you know, that he wanted to get pedophiles, one thing they didn't say, didn't demonstrate in the movie was that the perpetrators also stole the victims' identities and uh, government pensions and stole their money and claimed their government pensions. So it was mm. a little bit motivated ah, by money as well. Is Okay. So is that the scene? Because I did want to ask you about this. Um, Jamie's at a doctor talking about having schizophrenia. Yeah. So is that not him? Like he's claiming somebody else's identity in that moment? Maybe. I actually, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Because that I was like, what the heck? Yeah, that kind of came out of the blue, didn't it? I really didn't understand that scene. Because all of a sudden he sat in like a GP's office and the GP's like, oh, have you been diagnosed by a psychiatrist? And Jamie's like, oh, yeah, in the way that he hasn't gone mm. and seen a psychiatrist. I don't know what the heck yeah. that was. That could have possibly been to indicate that. I actually didn't think about that. But, yeah, they definitely did. Because he was getting a script for like obviously any psychotics or something. And I'm like, what? what? Yeah. The- yeah, straight. It was kind of out of the blue, wasn't it? Yeah. Or maybe Jamie did have schizophrenia. I don't know. But he certainly didn't kind of seem like, an, you know, you would expect unmedicated schizophrenic to behave. I don't know. He Or he could fit the box for some medicated schizophrenia. Like his affect is super blunt. Yeah, right. But also he's going through this incredibly traumatic thing. I don't know. That was just a really big question. I'm like, what the heck is this scene about? Mm. Mm. Yeah, all uh, I don't know. I'd have to probably go back to some of the books I've read about mm. the case to to figure that one out. Um, I I can't remember because obviously the director thought that was important enough to include, mm. but there was nothing about why that was in there. Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe he he does have schizophrenia, and it was a way for the director to kind of uh true sh- to have us have a bit more empathy for yeah, the character perhaps. because at that stage he was doing some pretty terrible things yeah. too so yeah. Mm. yeah um so just a couple of other facts i already said how rare it is for a group of serial killers out of the 11 victims eight were found in the barrels and the other victims were found in elizabeth's backyard and there was also one victim right at the beginning that was buried out in a par- national park somewhere mm. so 
only eight of the victims they found in barrels. I have a question about that because mm. um, they were obviously digging a grave right at the start yes. of the movie. And there were all these people who were like, ha, 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 nice grave, essentially. Mm. Right? It seemed like no one had been killed at that point. Yeah. No, that that I know for a fact that yeah. Barry Lane uh, was buried in a grave in the backyard of Elizabeth. So that grave could have possibly been Barry Lane slash Vanessa's grave. Uh-huh. But that was confusing because they didn't seem to – yeah – that that kind of played a bit with the I think realistic timeline, yeah. Because they did kill people first and bury them in in that backyard. Mm. That's where I think at least a couple of the bodies were found. So yeah, that's strange because there were mm. all like like there were so many people just sat outside like ha ha ha. It's clearly a grave. Yeah, definitely. But no one had and died at one stage at this they point. had like a couch inside the in the grave hole as well. Yeah, and it's fucking weird. Yeah. No, that was <laughs> that was strange, and I already talked about how Robert Wagner was actually gay. Mm. So yeah, I, I mean those are basic. Those are the basic facts of the case. I probably don't nearly need to say too much more about the sexual assault history of of all all of the perpetrators. Just to say that uh, it's just oh man, it it's just such a sad, sad mm. case, mm. and how many. I mean, some of the people that they killed, look, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, they were pedophiles and they deserved it because Mm. nobody deserves to be Mm. tortured and murdered. Mm. But a lot of the victims were just complete innocence as well. They just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Perhaps they were drug addicts. Perhaps they were intellectually disabled. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. Do you know any more about any of the victims who weren't alleged pedophiles and like why they... We're no, killed. they they literally just happened to be uh, a, a lot of a, a lot of the victims were gay, but mm. as we know, John Bunting didn't differentiate between a pedophile and someone who was gay. So just the fact that you were gay meant that you were on his list. Jeez, I really wonder the other killer you were saying, like the person who was gay, Robert Wagner. I wonder yeah. how that sat with him. Like, is that like internalized homophobia on well, his part? I think so and he's really interesting because he hooked up in the relationship with Barry Lane slash mm. Vanessa when he when he Robert was only fourteen. So hmm? yeah, so and and Barry Lane was I think in his thirties. Oh god damn it. Yeah, so he was preyed upon by Barry Lane as a as a young teenager. This is so weird and yeah. And but Barry was still in his life, obviously. Yeah. Like. By the time John Bunting came along, Barry was still in his life. They were living right. together. When John Bunting came along, Robert Wagner and Barry Lane were still living together. They've been living to they've been living together since Robert Wagner was fourteen. <sighs> Apparently used to get into violent domestics. Yeah. And so by the time John Bunting came onto the scene, I think that perhaps I don't know, it's perhaps internalised homophobia, but also perhaps by being with John Bunting and feeding off that hatred, Mm. he realised that he was actually a victim himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was preyed upon and that could have drawn out um, a lot of anger towards Barry Lane. Barry Lane's an interesting character Mm. too because he 
was apparently complicit in the first two murders or the first murder mm. of a gay man called Clinton something. I can't remember his last name. Because they show yeah him entering the house mm. and him being to the mum, oh, you know who I am? Do you know why I'm here? And mm. I'm like, no, why? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, like so he was introducing somebody to somebody else from what I gathered from that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and John Bunting used Barry Lane yep. for intel uh, about yes. local pedophiles. Yeah. Was Barry part of a pedophile ring? He was, yeah. Dude, this town. Yeah, it's it's horrific. It is such it is so horrific. It's so much work. Like I can't you, I actually can't believe this is true, yeah, honestly. You, you you watch this film and you think that's awful. But the true story behind this film is even more horrific than you could possibly imagine. It is so sad, so tragic, so much abuse. It's mm. and no protection for any of the children involved in this yeah, story. That's so sad. And I guess that's why it was so ripe for someone like John Bunting to come in and act like a big hero saying of I'm going to clean up this I'm town. Here, yep, I'm here to save you all. Mm, yeah. Um, so what were there any other scenes that really got to you? Do you let's talk about the torture scene yeah, of Troy. Let's talk about that. <sighs> yeah, I think I was saying before and I don't think I finished the thought. Yeah, it's interesting because this is obviously like a horror movie podcast and so we we both love horror, but this felt yuck. Like usually even even with really intense even with really intense stuff, I can watch it and appreciate yeah. it. But I had to continuously remind myself it was just a movie. But then it it kind of fucks with you because you're like, it's not, man. Like, this happened to people. Dude, that whole, like, strangling. I I can barely speak about this without feeling ill. That was so full on. Oh, my gosh. And and the way um, John Bunting was, like, staring. Like, really looking at this person as he's strangling him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they say about killers people who strangle that it's a really personal thing uh-huh. and so they say a lot of victims who were strangled are the victims of rage personal rage yeah because you have to get because it's really hard to strangle someone uh-huh. apparently um, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to get Jeez. really close and you ha- and, and and yeah they do they do say that it's a really personal thing and there has to be for the for the killer to strangle someone, there has to be a internalized personal rage to do something huh. like that. It's not a cold-blooded type of act like shooting someone for is. Sure, which is weird because you know in that scene, John Bunting is so cold. Mm. You know, with the just staring into this yeah. person's eyes and being like, "Stop." Yeah. Again, and that there it. it there's apparently no emotion. And and that's kind of juxtaposed with how emotional it is for Jamie when he comes in and finishes off the job. Oh, yeah, as a mercy kill, right? Uh, yeah. And notice that he actually does it from behind. Thought the same thing. Yeah. Well, John wasn't even strangling him. No, that's right. He wasn't. Yeah. He was just controlling it. Makes you wonder how much... John Bunting actually got his hands dirty. I know. Or was he more like a Charles Manson uh-huh. character? Yeah. Just uh, directing mm. rather than being And I wonder why. Involved. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I wonder if, you know, I, I suppose there's so many people who've thought about this, but, like, is it more enjoyable for him to get somebody to kill on his behalf? The than power. This? Yes. Yep. I reckon. Mm. I reckon he gets off not just on the torture. But on control. Uh, but on power. the control and power that he has over the other people that he is making be a part of it as well. I mean, so he's obviously, so, yeah, so messed up, so messed up. But uh, yeah, with that with that scene, that's one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever watched in my really? life. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, Don't it you was think? pretty full on. Oh, cringy was the toenail scene. Oh, yuck. Oh, no. Yuck. Oh. I, okay, in that moment, I was like, here we go. I Like, yep, this is familiar to me, you know, watching horror. Right. But that one, I was like, yep, when they got out the pliers or whatever, I'm like, okay. But then I couldn't. It was too drawn out. And something else, I don't know, I feel like there was no music or there was like tones throughout Mm. the movie, but the lack of music. There wasn't, was there? Yeah. I think that kind of plays into how bleak it was. It's like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, no music type Mm. of deal, just like tones throughout the movie yeah now you say that Mm. that's yeah that's so right oh man all in all (laughs) this is one of the one of the bleakest and most depressing films i've ever seen it's the most disturbing i think i can't think of anything that tops it and it's so long yeah and so slow what did you think of the ending i really liked the ending if you look at the film as a film about Jamie and his mm-hmm. character development, because just that closing scene of him shutting the door and what he was about to do, how they ambushed what was his stepbrother ready to kill. And they tortured him mm. and knowing that that was going to happen and just the way that last shot lingers on Jamie closing Mm -hmm. the bank vault door. I thought it was a good ending for his character arc. Mm. I don't really see how else they could have ended it because the next chapter was, you know, discovering the bodies and all of it unraveling. And this happened when I was in my first year of uni. They Mm -hmm. did like when all these trials were happening, I remember it all really clearly. So they couldn't get into all of that because that's so complicated. Sure. What, what do you think? How do you think? It's See, all that stuff that you were telling me about Kim about to kill somebody, the dog, none of that was clear to me at all. Right. From all I could take, that was just where they were storing the bodies. Right. Literally, when they were taping up the door, all in my head was like, oh, I can't wait to watch Dexter after this. That's Because yeah. <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah. wanted to stop yeah. watching this movie and watch yeah. something else. I was like, oh, thinking about Dexter. But I didn't realize that. Because I don't know the backstory. So watching yeah. it just as a movie with no prior knowledge, I was left like, oh, is that it? But also so incredibly relieved that the movie was yes, over. Yes, I was very relieved the movie I, was yeah. over too. <laughs> um, I would have liked, I know you said that you wouldn't, I would have liked that it'd be some kind of, even after they roll all the, this is what happens, like all the text, mm. I would have liked just a shot of police coming and discovering that room or the bodies or something like that. Mm. It just would have felt more final for me. Yeah. Okay. That wouldn't have been too bad. Or maybe some real life news footage tacked onto the end yeah. of, yep. of reports about what yes, was happening just at that some time. kind of final because i know they do the text and again it's probably done on purpose like at the ending there was no resolve really uneasy still 
Yeah. You know, it's just kind oh, of There's hanging. no redemption for any of those uh-huh. characters, Jamie included. Yep. Although I suppose knowing that he was the star witness and that he rolled on John mm. Bunting, mm. perhaps in a way, is some form of redemption mm. for his character. I don't know. Yeah. Such a bleak <laughs> film. So... <laughs> Would you recommend this film to no, people? I no. wouldn't. I was angry you made me watch yes, it. Yes, <laughs> I thought you were. It's so funny. Yeah, because as I said, I was texting Depraved and she's like, you don't have to watch it. Like, we can pick something else. We'll change it. I wish I never saw this movie. I would not recommend this to anyone. It left me feeling really ill. And even today, I still feel sick. Right. Mm. Yeah. I would only recommend it to really dedicated true crime buffs. Yeah. Um, And if you already know about this case Mm. and you are just interested to see how they have depicted it, but fair warning, it's a really hard slog. It's a really hard film to watch. It's really long. And it stays with you. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things you can't unsee. Yeah, I would instead, maybe if you don't know anything about the case, recommend reading the book Killing for Pleasure because that's a really interesting read and listening to Case Files episodes on Snowtown, which Mm. is one of the earlier Case File episodes. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe give the film a miss. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm glad we're both in the same. <laughs> yeah, that's even interesting for you to say. Yeah, because I know you were so into true crime. It's interesting to hear from you that you also yeah. Wouldn't... Independently, I can see that I can get why it was critically acclaimed. Yeah, so many awards. Um, but yeah, from from a movie going perspective, it's like why why am I putting myself through yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> right yeah right yeah it's uh it's yuck what's interesting is all the awards it's won what did you say the rotten tomatoes rating uh, was? it was 86 percent critics oh. and 66 percent audience score so both pretty high mm. um which is odd like mm. yeah i wonder what i don't um, know i uh, i'd be really interested to know what non-australians think of this film yeah, I've um I I watched a couple of reviews from Americans about it. They all agree it's one of the most disturbing movies they've ever mm. seen. Right. Yeah. Well, it it would be very scary. Which makes me kind of proud, you know. Yeah. It makes me proud that this has reached beyond Australia. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool for our industry. Yeah, it is. It is. You know what? Like with this movie, all I can say is that truth is more horrific than fiction and Oh, yeah. If you, rather than watching the film, go and read about the case. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, star rating oh, out of five? You got Maybe it. two. Two. Is it? Yeah, maybe two. Mine's like 1.5. Okay. But again, it's not because I didn't like it. It's because I don't like how I feel. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. I, I, I felt so depressed after you watching it. You felt depressed? I yeah. felt sick. And and that was from someone who knows a lot about yeah. this case. Good good job to the director. Yeah. I think any time a director makes anyone feel anything, they're doing their job. Yeah, that's so, so true. hats off to them. Yeah, good job, director, dude. <laughs> All right, it was All a right. depressing episode today. Yeah, sorry about that, dude. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're doing next time. But it's something a bit lighter. Hopefully, something <laughs> fun. <laughs> no more true crime, Dr. Death says. All right, uh, Bye. that's it. Bye.